I want to take you guys on a journey. I want to bring you to Acts chapter 12. But what I want to do is I want to show you the backstory of the backstory of the backstory as we get into Acts chapter 12. And that's in Acts chapter 5. Jesus called the disciples together. And these disciples, they didn't understand praying. They, they, you know, they were kind of like a lot of us. It's like, let's pray. Okay, uh, dear God, be with us. And, and, you know, God was teaching, Jesus was teaching them how to seek after God. I, I mean, when Jesus would pray, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Okay, Jesus, Jesus knew how to get alone with the Father. Before he went to the, the, the cross, he, he, he prayed so intently that he sweat drops of blood. He, he knew how to pray. He knew how to seek after God. But then he was teaching them. He was teaching them a new way of life. In Matthew chapter 5, and we're going to keep, what I'm going to do is we're going to keep turning our pages till we get to Acts chapter uh, 12, okay? So get, get ready until we get all the way there because I'm going I'm to build up this story as we go. So Jesus gets the disciples together. This is called the Sermon on the Mount. It's one of the, the, the most intense messages, teaching segments that Jesus ever taught. So he sits them down and he begins to open his mouth and he taught them. Matthew 5, 1, and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. When he was set, his disciples, including Peter, I'm going to zone in on Peter as we go through this. Peter came unto him, his disciples came unto him. Peter takes out his notebook or whatever he has. He sits down and is like, all right, so we're going to learn some stuff from Jesus today. And he starts writing these things down. He sits there and he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, he began to teach them a new way of life. Begin to teach them how to address the issues of life and how to face the opposition and how to face problems we're going to have with our kids and how to face problems we're going to have with our health and finances and politics and all the things that we have. So here's Peter. Look, jump down to verse 5. And blessed are the meek. The word blessed just means prosperous or happy. Blessed are those. Fulfilled are those that will do these things. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Not Big Macs and Chipotle. But he's saying hunger and thirst after righteousness. To have a new craving. Denying the flesh, like we talked about last Sunday, to seek after the Spirit. I want something different. He said, I'm going to tell you, blessed, happy, fulfilled are those that will learn to seek after God. They shall be Filled, they shall be satisfied, hunger and thirsting after something more. Turn the page, he begins to talk to prayer. He's talking, how do you hunger and thirst? How, how do you go after these things? Matthew 6, 5, he begins to teach about praying. Okay, here's Peter still over there taking notes. Okay, he's sitting there writing these things down. All right, I want to learn how to pray. When thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the corners of the streets, for they might be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Now I love how we're about to learn how they that pray in secret shall be rewarded openly. There's power in prayer. There's power in what God does when when we meet alone with God. And he wanted to make it personal. It's not a religious thing. That's why I say we have a prayer in here, but I don't want you just like getting to it like blah, 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 blah. No, I, I want you praying to your father. I want you to understand how to apply those passages to prayer and how to put those into a word to seek after God. But it's not repeating the words that so-and-so said because they wrote it in a book. It's not a religious experience. Prayer is a conversation between you and God. And there's nothing you can't say to your God. By the way, he already knows. He knows your heart. He knows your bad habits. He, know what you, he, he knows what you did last week. He, he, knows, he knows it all. 
So he, he just wants you to be honest and real with him. Make, make it personal between you and God. This is how he said it, Matthew 6, 6. I know for most of you this is nothing new, but this is a good refresher. But thou, Peter, when you pray, enter into the closet. When thou hast shut the door. Do you understand this, this is what uh, Pastor Chris was saying just a minute ago. A lot of times we do our devotions and praying and our, our quiet time with this in our hands. What happens? You get a notification or somebody texts you or I'll, I'll get back. Before long, you're sitting there scrolling through Facebook when you were sitting down to read your Bible. It, it's a, it can be a distraction. Get alone. The whole thing that Jesus was saying is don't go home and rip out all the clothes out of your closet so you can get in there. That's not what he was saying. He said, get into a place that is private. Shut the door. Get alone with God. Have a private time with God. And you say, this is not part of my routine. I'm asking you guys for 21 days to make it part of your routine. Your, your closet can be your car. Your closet can be your bedroom. Your closet can be that alone space in your office or whatever. But it is time for the next 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes, whatever it is. I am blocking this time out for God. This is, when, you, when you pray, shut the door. Pray to your Father which is in secret. Get alone with God. You know why it says in secret? There's nothing you can't confess before God. God, I struggle with my thoughts. I struggle with my heart. I struggle with anger. I'm scared to death, God. Tell him. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. He was saying, that you pray secretly, I'll reward you openly. When you get alone with God, you can get real with God. You can't get real with God if your prayer is just that you praying before dinner. You shouldn't get real with God when you're praying before dinner, okay? And you sit there and say, what do you mean by that? Sitting there with the kids, about to have dinner. And dear God, I, I'm sorry for lusting after the neighbor when I took the trash out today. Yeah, there's just some things like all the kids are looking at, Dad, Mom, it's like... There, there's, there's things that you need to get alone with God and shut the door and pray to your Father which is in secret to get your heart right before God. He said in verse 8, Be not therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you even ask. See, prayer is not informing God. For, prayer is more admitting to God. God, I'm struggling. I know you already know this, but Lord, I'm telling you, I'm humbling myself before you right now. God, I'm, I'm scared. God, I got mad today. I was so aggravated. God, God I, was, I was doubting you all day. I've been praying, but I've been doubting you, God. Man, I, I've been thinking that you're not going to come through. I've been thinking that you're not faithful when I know you are faithful. You're just getting real before God. He knows it. When he said in that verse 6, he said, Thy Father who seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Pray to, me, pray to me secretly and watch me walk out of that closet with you to go to work in ways you can't even imagine. He said, verse 7, when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think in their much speaking that they shall be heard of their much speaking. It's not about polished prayer. It's not about the emotions. It's, it's about your heart. God wants to hear your heart. And in the, the vain speaking, it's sometimes we, we, we rattle off prayers. We go into it like, you know, like we're going to pray before we eat. Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this day. In your name, amen. How much of that did we really mean? It is, it is just vain repetition. It's, it's not even acknowledged what you have or who's at the table or whatever. We just rattle things off. And, and, and sometimes in relationships, we can get stagnant because we don't get deep in our conversations with the person. It can be the same thing with God. Now, if you get down to verse 16, he starts talking about fasting. I'm not going to get into that. We did that last week. Fasting, he began to say, I'm going to tell you all about praying. But I want you to understand about fasting, denying your flesh and going after God. 
So Jesus finishes this sermon. Peter gets up and goes back to life. The whole point of this is Peter was learning how to pray. He was learning how to pray. Jesus takes Peter to the garden. What does Peter do? Peter's praying so fervently in the garden with Jesus. You guys remember that story? Jesus is over here praying. He's sweating drops of blood. He goes over to find Peter praying so hard. No, he was sleeping. (laughs) Jesus had to wake him up. Peter, don't you know this is my hour has come? I've asked you to pray with me. Jesus goes back to pray. He gets up, third or second time goes over there. What's he find Peter doing? Sleeping again. It's like, I'm telling you, it's one of the most desperate moments in all of history. Okay, he's right there in that moment. What is Peter doing? He's sleeping. You know what? We can mock Peter for that, but I think that's the condition of the church today. Jesus is saying, man, this is how it's come and here's where the power is. And he's praying to his father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will not, but not mine be done. And he walks over here and the church is over here saying, we, go, we love you, God. We'll be with you to the end. And God's saying, well, if you just wake up, if you'd wake up, Peter. It goes on. We get to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus is ascending up into heaven. God begins to do things in his life. Peter denies Jesus three times. God does a lot in his life. He restores him. Go feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. In Acts chapter 1, he learns, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You're going to be witnesses unto me. He said, you understand that the power, we're going to read this. Peter actually testifies of this power. He says, you know the power that I taught you? He said, I need you to live this out. Can I, can I just say Christians should not be sissies? We should not be pushed back. We are going again, up against the, the, the gates of hell. And the gates of hell should not prevail against the church. Not because we're that great, but because we have the Spirit of God living inside of us. For us to be pushed around by the devil in this evil day is ridiculous. I'm not saying it's not a struggle. I'm not saying it's not a fight. But I am saying that we, 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 if we, would, we would wake up. Jesus, kick us and say, get us out of our slumber because we've fallen asleep to get back to verses like this. To be able to pray and seek after God. Jesus taught them to knock and keep on knocking, to pursue, to pray without ceasing, to pray with passion and conviction. It's it's not just a one and done prayer. It's not just a matter of just getting through the motion of something. Man, it's a matter of it's on my heart and mind. All through my day, I've got this. God, I want to see you work in my family. God, I want to say, I'm at the red light. God, work in my family. I get alone with God. God, work in my family. It's knock and keep on knocking, ceasing, never ceasing to go after what God has. You know what the whole idea of seeking is? I want to see something. If I'm looking for my keys, like we talked about the message, I don't have my keys. You know when I'm going to stop looking for my keys is when I find my keys. We want to see revival. We don't just, well, that didn't happen because I prayed 10 minutes before going to work. No, I, I pray and keep on praying. It's what God was teaching us. Fast forward, Peter, uh, Peter preaches one of the most powerful messages. In Acts chapter 2, revival breaks out, church begins, people are coming together. Peter becomes this preacher, this pastor. He's teaching and uh, leading them. And then we get to Acts chapter 10. So I promise we're almost to Acts chapter 12. We're getting there, okay? And on the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Peter alone went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Peter got it. You find now this saturation of the prayer in these people. Peter gets up and 
He says, man, I, I, I've got to get alone. I'll be up on the rooftop. And he gets up there and he's praying to God. In that time, God speaks to him in this really powerful way. And this, the, the vision of the sheet and the hoofed animals and unhoofed animals and all those things. That's not my message today. We get down to verse 19. And while Peter thought on the vision that God gave him, the Spirit said unto him, came unto him and said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Here's Peter getting alone with God and God speaking to him. So Peter walks down from the rooftop to go answer the door where these guys are coming to talk to him. And Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. So now we've got this other guy. Peter's praying and he's seeking after God. Cornelius is praying and he's seeking after God. Cornelius is so burdened over this thing that God's trying to do in his life that he's not, he's not eight in four days. He's seeking after God as he's praying. In the ninth hour I prayed in my house. Behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. And then God raises Cornelius up and says, I got a dude you would need to go talk to. That guy was Peter. Peter's up there praying. God brings them together. You see how the Spirit of God is working in ways that man cannot work. They, they, they end up coming to each other. And Peter starts telling them about Jesus, telling them about the power of God and the working of the Spirit of God and what God came to do. He said in verse 37, that word I say you know which was published throughout all Judea and began in Galilee and after the baptism which John preached. You can imagine his excitement as he's going, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the ghost, with the Holy Ghost and with power. He said, let me tell you, the things that Jesus did, he was no ordinary man. He had the touch of God and he was the son of God and he went out with power. He had the touch of the Holy Spirit upon him. Cornelius is looking for this. Man, I want to see God work, but I heard he ascended up in heaven. But let me tell you, he told us in the beginning of Acts that we're going to receive power and the Holy Ghost would come upon us. And he said this, and he said, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Man, he pushed the devil into his place, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem And they slew and hanged on the tree. He starts explaining the mission, the power of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, when you have people praying, things happen. Can I tell you, when you have people praying, things happen. Here they are in verse 44. Watch what happens. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, fell on all of them which heard the word. The Spirit of God was working. You say, how has that happened? Cornelius was praying and fasting after God. Peter is praying and seeking after God. God works when people pray. God works when people pray. What happens next? They go to Jerusalem. He's sharing with them what God showed him in Acts chapter 11, verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them. Now I want you guys to see how cool this is. There are so many things that we try to do in our flesh and our ability of ourselves. And the Bible says that the hand of the Lord was with them. I know that this is just a a visual that God gave us to help us understand. But it was just saying the things that we did, we could not normally do. But the hand of God reached down from heaven, began to work and move and change. You say, my kids are running from God. I can't get to them. It's amazing when the hand of God reaches out to pull them back to God. When you sit there and say, I can't get through in this situation. I can't through. I've got a work situation that is so hard. It's amazing when God puts his hand in that situation. When God reaches and touches and moves in ways that you cannot do for yourself, it is not you. It is the hand of God. You say, man, I wish I could see that. Cornelius was praying and fasting for four days. Peter goes up to the housetop to pray. It does not happen without seeking and asking God. It does not happen. 
Of course, as they are seeking after God and doing these things, we get to our passage and they get opposition. In Acts chapter 12, and we'll be in Acts chapter 12 for the remainder. Now about the time that Herod, uh, the king, stretched forth his hands, you know, and notice we see the hand of God at work and the hand of the enemies at work. Don't think just because you're seeking after God and you're praying and going to have 21 days, it's going to be 20 days of victory. It's going to be 21 days of Satan going, uh-uh, not, not a chance. I'm not going to let you just walk all over me. I'm not going to let you just push your way into your kid's life and whatever. He's not going to let that happen. He vexed certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it, it pleased the Jews. He proceeded further to take Peter also. And we're in the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him intending after Ezer to bring him before the people. The, the goal was to kill him. That's what they were doing. This is, he was in a tough situation. Now, I want to tell you, it wasn't just a bad situation. Here's their leader being pulled out of the church and thrown in the prison. Herod goes above and beyond to make sure that, that nobody's going to touch this guy. He was in an impossible situation. Verse 6 says, And Herod would have brought him forth the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Now, let's just lay this out. They weren't playing games. They bring him inside this prison place so that it had the outer gate. They bring him inside the inner prison. They lock him up. They chain him with both arms. Then the Bible says that they put a soldier on both sides of him and soldiers outside of the prison. Now, I'm going to ask you, how in the world is a church or a bunch of Christians going to bust in and get him out of that? It's impossible. There is nothing the church could do. There's nothing that Peter could have done. There is no way to get them out of this situation. It was an impossible situation. Peter was stuck. But in the middle of Peter's problem, we have verse 5. Look with me. And Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Can, can, I, can I just... Peter was stuck prayer was made. Peter was stuck. Prayer was made. Peter was kept in prison, but prayer. I, I, can, can that just be the theme of what we do as Christians? I have a problem. It's a really big, big problem. It's impossible. I've tried everything. I can't get through. I've got a spouse that is lost. I've got a kid that's wayward. I've got a kid that's in a situation. My kids won't even talk to me. I've got a broken relationship. I've got financial problems. I've got health problems. There's a problem but prayer. Why, why is that something we read about and not practice when it comes to this? Let me, let me show you. Does prayer make a difference? Does prayer make a difference? Here it is. When we pray, here's what happens. We are inviting God into our circumstance. That's, that's simply what prayer is. Does God already know your circumstance? Absolutely. But that God doesn't just step into your situation to take over your life. You realize we're not slaves, slaves of God. <clears throat> and the whole illustration that God's given us is he, he died for us. He calls unto us. He invites us in. He wants us to seek after him, but he does not force the relationship. Nope. Therefore, Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing by the church. Peter taught this church to pray. If I, if I was to lay <clears throat> this down and simplify prayer for, for us as a church, prayer is just simply saying and admitting to God... I have this problem. I need you. I need you. We talk about Ukraine. You know the solution for Ukraine is God's people praying. 
the, problem, the solution to our economic problems, the solution to COVID, the solution to everything is, is God people praying. You know what the crazy about, thing is about this is we do everything but that. We, 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 will, we will gripe, we will call people, we'll complain on Facebook. We'll, <clears throat> can I ask you guys, has complaining on Facebook ever solved a problem? Nope. Hey, has anybody ever called you up and said, praise God you posted that because God just gave me a word and I'm going to fix that problem right now. No, everybody was like, I hate this too. I hate this too. Here's the thing. Here's a meme about how much I hate this. It doesn't fix anything. And yet we, we just, and I'm not saying don't have fun on Facebook. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm just saying it doesn't fix our problems. We are so good at venting, but you realize what they were doing is as the church was gathering and they were, they, they, somebody knocked on the door. It, it, it gives the description how they were all gathered in that house. They begin to seek after God. They come in and say, hey, Peter was just captured. What are they going to do? They're going to kill him. They can't kill Peter. They're going to kill him. And just like the rest of it, we sit there and say, well, that's it. I, I thought God was for us. I thought God was going to do something with this. And stop. What did we learn? We're going to get along with God. Come in here. Let's pray. Another person knocks at the door. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm tore up. Man, I just got a word that they grabbed Peter. He says, well, we're going to get him out. Well, we can't get him out. What are you talking about? We're going to turn this around. Did you not hear? They doubled the soldiers. They put him in the inner prison. He's chained up. They were just going to bust in there and says, I don't know what to do. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to invite God into our situation. And God's people began to pray and ceased not to pray. They were seeking after God. But prayer was made with him for him without ceasing. Without ceasing is continuous action. I, I, I can say this. I would have never, ever, ever, ever been okay and asked God for God to give Logan cancer. Never, ever. And I, it would have been great if we would have just prayed on that second day of him being at Children's Hospital. Hundreds of you guys went outside, prayed in the front yard of there and, and singing. And it was just an, this amazing experience. It was an amazing thing for our family. It would have been great if I could have just walked out there and said, they just did another scan. My son is free of cancer. And everybody would rejoice and we would have gone home to the same lives that we had. But you know what God taught me? Tony, you need to seek me on Monday. And you seek me on Tuesday and seek me Wednesday and Wednesday night and Wednesday morning and Thursday and Thursday night. And what God does is all things work together for good, that we're on a journey to seek after God because we need God every single day. It's not a one and done situation. Let me give you a verse that we say all the time. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great mighty things that thou knowest not. Can, Can I show you? How we want the end of that verse, call unto me and I will show thee great mighty things which thou knowest not. Lord, I want to see great mighty things. Lord, I want to see you do great things. And the beginning of the verse was like, uh, call unto me. Call unto me. Get alone and pray and call unto me. Just seek after me. We instantly want the end of it. I will answer thee. You can't get an answer without a request. We want it to work in our Christian life. I don't know what's happening. And I, I, I talked to my husband about this. And we went to church and I sat with the ladies or I sat with the men. And I just like, God's sake, man, when are you going to ask me to pray without ceasing in your situation to go after me? And there's so many things that we have just given up on God. I tell you, there's people that have addictions, and you said, I don't think that God can change this, that they're just going to be that way for the rest of their life. 
There is marriages that have been at a breaking point. There's anxiety and depression. There's people that feel like they're stuck. Man, with health problems and things. And, I, and this is not, guys, don't get me wrong. I am not up here name it and claim it prosperity gospel. I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about seeking after a great and mighty God that does great and mighty things. I'm saying about just inviting God into our circumstance. When we pray, we are simply inviting God into our circumstance. When we pray, God works and God goes to work in ways that we cannot see. Do you know why this is important? Because this is how I am. I want to pray and see results. You know what I'm saying? Is anybody else like that? I want to pray and I want to, I want to say, God, help me do this. And then I'm just like, nothing happened. One of the hardest things that we've dealt with was having to have Logan on a, a new medication or a new type of therapy or, 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 or treatment and then having to wait two months to get the results. That's a long, hard, horrible two months of waiting. Because I can't see in Logan's heart. I can't see inside of his chest. I can't see inside of his body. You know what all I can do is I can pray and wait. Here's this church praying. And they could not just text Peter and say, hey, dude, how's it going? You know, is it, are they letting up on the guards? Hey, hey, Herod, I'd love it if you could just talk to us and we want to sit down. There's nothing they could do. You realize that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Not seen. But we give up when we think that God is not working. Here's the point. God is always at work. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. God is always at work. God will never have you call unto him. Now, there might be things that we call unto him that God doesn't do it the way that we ask him to call unto him. I was really disappointed when they came out and told us, well, we hate to tell you this, but the surgery was a complete failure. We had to close them up. It's far worse than what we thought. And I'm thinking, God, that was, that, that was our answer. God, we've been praying and fasting and seeking this. That doesn't mean that God's not working. God's working in Logan right now. But you understand, God's working in ways that I cannot see. God works in ways that we don't understand. The Bible says in James 5.15, the prayer of the faith. Prayer of faith. Prayer of, you know what faith is? Peter and Peter's people that are sitting there praying in that place, asking God to do something, not knowing what God is doing, but trusting that God was working. You can have confidence in your God when you pray, God is working. Maybe not in your way, but God does not leave us hanging. I love the confidence that we can have as the Bible describes Deuteronomy one thirty. The Lord your God, which goes before you, he shall fight for you. Here we are. We're, we're, we're praying for God to work. This last Sunday, we even had prayer at the church and different things for Logan. Saying, Lord, be with us on Monday. Be with us during the scans. Be with us with the doctor's visit. Be with us as he gets his counts checked and all these other things. God was like, I'm already there. <laughs> all right. I'm already there. I'm the one that goes before you. He's not limited by time. He's not limited by your resources. He's not limited by your reach. Prayer does and goes and, and is not limited by our understanding. The Lord's mercies are not consumed because his compassions fail night. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. When you think you've just hit a wall and there's nowhere to go, God's sitting there saying, I'm already in the next day. I'm already waiting on you. I've already got what you need. Great is thy faithfulness. That is how God works. So they are praying and God was working. 
but they could not see God working. But we can have confidence to know that God is working even when we can't see it. Verse 6 again, And Herod would have brought him forth the same night that Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers that before the door kept the prison. Verse 7, And behold, an angel of the Lord came upon him. Came upon who? Peter. They're praying. They can't even see it. And God steps into Peter's situation as a result of hearing their prayers. God is working in ways that you cannot imagine. And the light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. They're praying here and God's working here. It's amazing how God sometimes gives you glimpses to say, I'm working in ways that you can't see. I've told many of you guys this story. I'm going to tell it again because it's so cool. I was uh, going to work uh, a number of weeks ago. It was the first sermon that I was going to preach on this about quenching the Spirit of God. So I'm sitting in my office. I'm reading. I'm studying. I'm typing all these things out about the working of the Spirit of God. How God works and the power of God and the power of the Spirit and how the Spirit of God works out and does things that man cannot do. And I was getting ready for this message. But I also had a stack of doctor bills that came in during Logan's treatments and things that dated all the way back to June. They fell through the cracks. No insurance company was claiming them. So I had to call all these different people. So I'm doing this and I thought, you know what? I should just call now because they're going to put me on hold forever anyways. So I just put the, the, I flipped over the bill and there's a number at the bottom, you know how they have that number and say, if you have any questions, call this number, which goes to some billing office or whatever. So I flipped it over and I called the back of it and I let my phone just sit there and play the background music as I'm studying and stuff. And then finally somebody came on and said, hello. I said, hey, uh, I, I've got this problem and, and my, my son has this insurance and we have this insurance, but nobody's claiming it and I need to know. And she said, okay, what's your name? What's your son's name? And so I told her, so she's writing this all down and she kind of hesitated a little bit while we were talking stuff. I was like, oh, I don't know. So she begins to tell me to flip it over and to be able to write down different information on the back side of it. She said, will you just trust me? She said, and I want you to fill out this personal information, but I want you to put in personal notes as you do it, but just trust me as you fill this out. I was like, all right, this is really weird because most of them say, fill out the back and send it in. So I'm filling this out. And she said, okay, put this and explain your son's situation. Tell him who you are. Give him this number or whatever. And she says, now I'm going to give you my personal fax number. I want you to send it directly to me and I'm going to take care of this. I said, wow, you're awesome. Thank you so much. It went quiet and she started crying on the phone, weeping. Weeping to the point where I couldn't understand what was going on. I kept taking the phone down and I, I held it. I was going back up and I was like holding it. I couldn't understand what was happening. She was crying so hard. She gained her composure. She started talking to me again and she said, hey. She said, Can, I'm sorry, this is unprofessional. I shouldn't be talking like this. I'm, I, I'm in the billing office right here. She said, Tony, I know Logan because I found his story six months ago. And I pray for your son every single day. Every single day, she said, my kids pray for you. My church prays for you. And she said, this morning, I got up and prayed for Logan on my prayer list. And my phone rings in my office, and it's Logan's family giving me updates personally. She said, I'm praising God that I am praying, and God's working in ways that I would have never imagined. You say that did a lot for her. It did a lot for me because here I'm sitting there saying, God, show me your work and show me your work. And God unveils this to us to say, I'm working in ways you can't even see. 
God is working in ways you can't understand. And you're sitting there praying for your kid, saying, God, my kids are so far away from God. Man, I can't reach to them. You try to call them up and say, hey, uh, did you read that pamphlet I sent you? Or did you listen to that message? Mom, I don't have time. And we get so disheartened thinking that we're, they're so far out of reach. But you don't understand while you're praying, God is at work. God works in ways that you can't see. Stop limiting God. When he said, I'm going to work, God goes to work and God takes action. God doesn't ignore our prayers. God works in powerful ways. Song says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You see, God does. He works. You talk about prayer. Let me give you this. I I know I'm running out of time. When we pray, God does what man cannot do. Peter is locked in this prison. And the Bible says in verse 7, Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon them. See, the power of prayer goes beyond our reach. The power of prayer goes beyond our reach. He is not limited by circumstances. He's not restricted by the enemy. There's no mountain. There's no hill. There's no cap. There's no distance. God goes to work in ways that you can't. They could not get into prison. They could not even send a message to him. But the Bible says, behold, here it is. The Spirit of God stepped into Peter's situations like, here, dude, I'm here to get you out of this. God does things in your life that you think is impossible. God stepped into Logan's life in this past two months to do what God could only do for himself. Only God could do this. God is waiting to be asked in your situation to be able to do amazing things that you're thinking is impossible. God was showing himself to this. The Bible says, and a light shined in the prison. How did it get in the prison? God's not restricted by us. There is power. The Bible talks about the power of prayer that brings hope. It was a desperate situation. They could not see. And the Bible says, and a light light fell upon him in the prison. It's amazing how when people that we're praying for cannot see and cannot understand, and God shines a light to give them understanding. On Easter Sunday, when the Spirit of God works, and you're sitting there saying, I'm bringing people, but they've already said they don't even believe in God. Let God handle that part. Amen. Let God handle that. God is the one that shines the light in the darkness. You sit there and say, I, my, my kids are so rebellious, they don't even listen to me. You know what it is? It's prayer when you're on your knees that God rewards you openly. God works into that situation in a way that you can't. We doubt God so much. I've prayed for my lost spouse. I've prayed for my lost kids. I've prayed for healing. I've prayed for this. I've prayed for that. You, do, do we give up on God because we cannot see what he's doing? But you see, God does what man cannot do. Talks about in, in that verse, verse 7, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. That was hope. And smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And the chains fell off from his hands. See, the power of prayer breaks bondage. You say, That's impossible. God doesn't do that. I'm going to ask you now do you believe in the working of the Spirit of God? You see how with the maniac of Gadara, when they have done everything and they chained him to the tombs and Jesus walked up and he said, I command you, get out. That is the presence of God. That is the spirit of God. We fight addictions today because we think we just need every resource that the world has. I'm not saying that we don't need therapy. I'm not saying that we don't need help. But I tell you, they are powerless without the spirit of God intervening. I tell you, we need marriage counseling. But I tell you, what you need more than marriage counseling is you need the working of the spirit of God. You need family counseling. What you need more than family counseling, you need the working of the Spirit of God. God breaks change. God breaks through. He gets up in verse 8 and says, follow me. I'll get you out of this. 
Last week, Pastor Dave testified saying, man, I was so broken. I could not figure out where to go to start the first service. Today, they are starting the first service. You know why? God made a way when there seemed to be no way. Do you know how much the bill is for the location they're using today? It is free. They even stepped in and said, we're going to give you all the, the microphones, the projectors, and we'll even set up your room for you. That's, that's, only God can do those things. Say, wow, he got lucky. No, he got blessed. It's not a matter of luck. It has nothing to do with it. And they went out and followed him and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate, and that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out, and they passed on through the streets, and went forth with the angel departed from him. The power of God, the power of prayers, opens doors. God makes a way when there seems to be no way. You say, man, I've been trying to get a house for all this time. I've been trying to get this new job. I've been trying to talk to my kids. I've been trying to fix this relationship with my family or whatever. God makes a way when there seems to be no way. God opens the doors. God steps in. God, we've got to stop limiting God. We serve a God that has no limitations. There's nobody that God can't reach. There's no life that God can't change. And Peter was come to himself. He said, now I know surely that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the people of the Jews. When we pray, God builds our faith through answered prayer. When we pray, here, here Peter is standing there and he's like, man, I've been praying all this time and here I am standing there. You can imagine as he's walking through, the door just opens. He's just like, what in the world? It's amazing what God does through answered prayer because he confirms our faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But he also promised us he's a, a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We miss out on so much in our lives because we don't pray trusting God. The Bible says taste and see. All I'm asking you for these next 21 days is to taste and see that the Lord is good. Sometimes we do feel like we're praying into the air. We feel like our prayers have no effect. Prayer like I've said this and said this and said this and said this and God, I have no other way to say this, but I can promise you we serve a God that hears and answers prayers. And when he had considered the thing which he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Okay, so you get this prayer meeting visual, okay? Peter comes and he starts knocking on the door. They're not expecting Peter knocking on the door whatsoever. And Peter knocked on the door of the gate and the damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. When, when she had knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, God has answered our prayers. The Lord has done great and mighty things. They're literally praying. God, we need you to do a miracle. God, I need you to get Peter out of prison. Lord, we need you to save his life. God, we need you to do what man cannot do. Lord, we want you to go before us and do a great and mighty work in this. Peter's at the door. Woman, you're crazy. Get down here and pray for Peter to get out of prison. What are you talking about? Peter's at the door. We, we need to pray in faith, believing that God can do this. Why do we doubt God so much? We, 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 we pray, and the Bible says, pray believing if you have the faith of a mustard seed. God is a God that hears and answers prayers. Monday, we walk in, and the doctor walks right up to Logan. 
and walks right up to him and says these words. And he says, hey, have you had any issues with the cough? Now, at the time, that's how his cancer first started. When the cancer grew to that point, it started touching his lungs and he started coughing. We've heard Logan coughing for the past week. In our minds, we're thinking, I don't see the scan, but maybe, maybe that's what happened. The cancer's already grown back. He said, I said, I, I'm asking, I wonder if he, this is just a random question. So I just said it nervously. I said, uh, have you read his scans yet? He goes, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. And I just, oh, like, man. He pulls up the screen and it has the cancer, a bigger mass and then a smaller mass. And I'm sitting there going, oh my goodness, it's grown that much. It's grown. He sat there and said, oh, ye of little faith, you too, okay? We all struggle with this. And he said, here's how much the cancer has shrunk. I'm like, what? Shrunk? I said, we're just hoping that it works because the idea of it working would mean that it would stunt the growth of the cancer. He said, it didn't just grow. He said, the CT results came back and in the very words of it, it says, his cancer has shrunk significantly. In one cross section of his cancer, it has shrunk 46%. You say, what's the big deal with that? He's not on a chemo to shrink cancer. It's just supposed to stop the cancer. They said less than 15% of the time, less than 15% of the time, it has shown signs of some shrinkage. Then the doctor turned around and he said, I'll be honest with you. I don't even first, we're not even confident that we even know what we're dealing with with your son. They have already given him a death sentence of a cancer that can't be cured. And now they're admitting in the doctor's office that they don't know. I tell you, they don't know, but God already knows. God knows already. We've been praying and praying and praying and praying. And I'm not saying my son's healed. It's we're out of the woods yet. But I can tell you this. Monday morning and Monday afternoon, we saw and witnessed God's hand at work. I saw God do. They even said that your son will never be a candidate for surgery ever again. That's not on the, it's not a thing that will happen. That doctor turned around and he said, if we keep on this track, your son might be a candidate for surgery to remove his cancer. You say, how is that possible? It's God. Why do we limit God so much? And I know that there's different religions and denominations that sit there and have all these different beliefs, but I think we've gotten so scared that we, we, we don't pray to God in faith and we don't pray to God believing and we don't believe in the working of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is alive and working and He wants to do great and mighty things. He wants to bring revival. He wants to touch our hearts. God wants to make a way when there seems to be no way. I'm just challenging you to seek God. I know I, I, I preached on this before, to seek His face. Seek his face. If you've not heard when I've heard that, it was literally, God, I don't want a picture of you. I don't want a story of you. I want, I want to see you present in my situation. Yes. 